0: So Mike Tristan, first podcast that we're going to have to do due to new regulations on Zoom. Um, So we don't get that feel of being in the same room, but obviously it's safety first when it comes to the pandemic and COVID. Um, We're going to get Jamie Shepherd on
1: for this episode from Soteria Planning. There was a a well-known case in 2016 where the duke of westminster passed away um and i believe he had a nine billion pounds property empire which he passed down to his son hugh grosvenor Um, and there was a big storyline at the time about how there wasn't a penny of inheritance tax paid so he passed a nine billion pound property empire down to his his son his son to manage and, and ultimately do what he wants with and there was no inheritance tax paid and I think the public are looking at that thinking how why what makes him different now Jamie's
0: someone that I've known uh, for a good few years and in fact he actually did my my will so I know his advice is is very very good but we're going to talk from from an advisory point of view for landlords property investors and probably a little bit for everyone out there about what happens to your assets when the inevitable happens and unfortunately you pass away so I would say to anyone that's going to be listening to this podcast, I often listen to them back running. This is one you're going to need to listen to with a, a notepad, I would have thought, because it's going to be a lot of um, deep and heavy information that we're going to absorb here. Tristan, what are you looking forward to?
2: Yeah, definitely. I, I have to agree. From the moment I met Jamie, I've known him a little while now. He, The first thing he said to me when I spoke that I was a property owner was you need to get your will sorted. And I didn't realise the importance of it. Um, and since sort of sitting down with him back then and realising how much information is involved and how it benefits my my kids um, and me personally, I thought it was important to, to, to do it, which is why I brought him on the show really, because there's many landlords out there with more than one property and savings as well. So just find out the, the tax benefits and... the the other advantages of doing a will rather than leaving it last minute or not doing it at all so i think there's so much information that people need to be aware of and really looking forward to this one
0: yeah we spent a lot of time mike um on this podcast and in in our careers and especially on your episode as well about really working out how people can build assets and build compound their profits throughout their life overlap and don't think about how that inheritance passing it on down the line can be impacted so what are you looking forward to on this yeah i'm really looking
3: forward to just hearing the opinion of someone totally outside of the property game about what people should be doing and how they should be working it i've been personally affected by this situation and if you haven't been personally affected by the situation you feel like you will never be but you will um and with parents, with grandparents, they'll build up assets, but unravelling them at the other end, I can tell you firsthand, is an absolute nightmare. So as you said, we're going back to the future on Zoom, which we all hate, but it is, yeah, pen and paper, write down what you've got to say and then action it is is all I'll say.
0: Yeah without question we're going to get jamie on now and i think for anyone um, listening to this podcast or watching on youtube there is an opportunity here to listen to the advice save thousands tens of thousands even millions of pounds at some point for the people you most care about so listen carefully get the notepad out and we're going to bring jamie from soteria planning on now So, Jamie, thank you for joining us on Zoom this week for uh, an exciting podcast where we're really going to get to grips with some helpful advice for property investors. And in this case, not just for them, but obviously for their families, therefore, after as well. So looking forward to getting stuck into that. But just give us a little bit of an insight into why you got into the business you're currently
1: in, please. Yeah, of course. Um, So uh, I was really interested uh, when I first got into financial services sector uh, around 2016. uh, I would be talking to people about their situation uh, and quite quite a lot of people, um, people that you would expect to have their affairs sorted out. People with young children, people with businesses, people with property um, just didn't. And I don't know what the reason for that would be, whether that's just nobody has reached out to them. And almost said to them, you need to sort this out. Uh, I can help you or you can go over there. Um, But it was just such a fascination for me. Um, And then went on to learn a little bit more about the industry. So how it works in in terms of, so, I mean, pre-pandemic, you never would have had a meeting with a client on Zoom about your affairs. Whereas I would say, obviously, in the last 18 months, it's been the norm. And moving forwards, I can't see it changing too much. Good stuff.
0: So, just love helping people, and I guess you saw what a little bit of a solution to a sort of common problem. I guess that that you could take it, take sort of a, a lot of help forward with a good level of experience for potential clients. And obviously, we're talking. This podcast is, is predominantly going out to property investors and landlords. So, is there any examples that you've got where you, you, you maybe have, have helped that type of person?
1: Um, yeah so um quite often when you've got clients with with multiple properties uh, depending on what they want to do um, as well as a bit of uh, depth planning if you like so whether that's writing a will whether that's considering uh what would happen in the event that they were to lose mental capacity that type of client could also do with a bit of lifetime planning whether that is creating a trust whether that is um, the property being owned by that trust. There's lots of advantages to consider, whether that be uh, a savings on capital gains, whether that be the ability to pass property down to your loved ones, um, instead of passing it down by your will. Um, I mean, I I personally didn't get involved in this case, but there was a a well-known case in 2016 where the duke of westminster passed away um, and i believe he had a nine billion pounds property empire which he passed down to his son hugh Grosvenor. Um, and there was a big storyline at the time about how there wasn't a penny of inheritance tax paid so he passed a nine billion pound property empire down to his cut his son for his son to manage and and ultimately do what he wants with and there was no inheritance tax paid and i think the public are looking at that thinking How, why, what makes him different? Um, Now, there are a couple of special rules around uh, inheritance tax. It was announced that when Prince Philip recently died, uh, there would be no inheritance tax due. Um, But for the average uh, person, if you like, uh, man and wife, there's usually no inheritance tax on first death, certainly if they're, they're leaving their assets to each other. But on second death, depending on whether they own a property um, whether or not they have children or they're leaving their assets to their children, there are strict rules that they have to abide by. Um, and obviously, if you've got a landlord that's got multiple properties, whether they're in their name or in a, in a company set up that they've set up themselves, there's a good chance that that property empire is going to form part of their estate for inheritance tax. So that is something that landlords should really get a good understanding of as to what would happen.
0: Mike, you've obviously spent a long time in the industry. That's a bit of a, a mind-blowing case study there. Um, Nine billion. I'm not sure if you've... Have you dealt with landlords with that size portfolio before? It's, um, I'm not sure. It's, it's probably slightly above the norm um, for, for the home counties
3: uh, to be talking in the billions of pounds. But it does show... It, it, I, I suppose the the, the red-top newspapers would be having you say, well, it's the haves and the haves nots um, And whether paying no inheritance taxes is right or wrong, or whether you think it's right or wrong. It's, it's those who have planned and those who haven't planned. And that was obviously strategically planned to fit within what the rules are. And there's nothing wrong with strategically planning to follow the rules in order to, to, to make the best of, of what your family is. And I think anyone with £9 billion possibly should uh, contribute a little more to, uh, to the country's coffers. Whereas Mr. and Mrs. Jones, who have got one buy to let in their family home, who, if they don't plan something, they're going to get taxed to the eyeballs. Um, Jamie will give you the numbers. Um, but if you do plan, you can, you can let your children inherit your property, your hard-earned. Generally, it's a pension and buy to let in our area. So you can let people inherit that with, with very minor impact.
0: I was just going to say, Jamie, I guess the frustration when you're talking to people that might be obvious is people have paid tax all their life and therefore they don't feel that there should be tax to be paid at the end of life on assets that they purchased with money they've already paid tax on. Is that quite a common frustration that you see with clients?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've never met um, a client who is is happy to potentially pay inheritance tax on their death. Um, you've, you've got also to consider, the general public have zero understanding. Um, I would say the majority. So for example, uh, I had somebody who come to see me two weeks ago, man and wife, um, early seventies. They've got a couple of grown-up children. And what they wanted to do was they wanted to put their property in their children's names now. And I said, why do you want to do that? Well, they said, we want to avoid any kind of death duties. That was their terminology. And I said, well, What do you mean? They said, well, we don't want them to pay inheritance tax. And I said, okay, well, what else have you got in your name? And they said to me, well, there's a joint bank account, roughly about £50,000, and then probably about £50,000 worth of assets. And I said to them, well, in your situation, you can actually pass £1 million down to your children on second death. And they said, "Oh, really? And I said, yeah. And, uh, And I said, does signing the house over to the children now seem like a good idea? No. Um, So these people are are lucky because they they took some advice. Um, What people also have to understand is that there are some people that will just go and sign a house over to their children without taking any advice. Now, if they were to stay living in their property, so retaining a benefit, unfortunately, this is what's termed as a gift of reservation. And so therefore, for inheritance tax purposes, that property is still theirs. Sometimes people think, "Oh, I can sign the house over to my children, so the house is worth 1.5 million pounds. So there would be a tax bill on my death, but I sign my house over to my children. Forget the risks that come with that, the fact that they could just turf you out. Um, and what I'll do, I'll, I'll live seven years at least, and then uh, on my death there'll be no inheritance tax. Well, there is a way in which you can successfully navigate through that, and that is if you were to pay market value rent." to stay living in your property so you'd have to pay market value rent to your children for the privilege of staying in your property now not many people have the cash funds to be able to pay market value rent which is obviously reviewable and if they go on and live more than seven years that's quite a lot of money so i wouldn't advise signing a house over to your children so we've
0: kicked off the podcast with some We've already some, some quality information. I think if anyone's watching and they've never heard the, the term gift of um, resi- resi- reservation?
1: Gift of reservation.
0: Gift of your reservation, which I haven't, then let's listen on because Tristan's about to hit us with a body of questions for Jamie, which I'm sure will give some more really valuable information for property investors and landlords. So Tristan, I'm going to hand over to you.
2: Perfect. Thanks, Ian. So uh, jump straight into it. Why should a homeowner have a will? Why is it important?
1: Great question, Tristan. Um, I would argue that for most people, your house will always be your biggest asset. It's something that you will save towards. It's something that when you die is probably your biggest asset. Now, uh, when you're working hard over the years to pay off that asset, okay, you probably have some feelings as to where that asset goes on your death. So let's be nice and simple and say, you should have a will if you own a property to state where the property goes on your death. Perfect. And
2: then moving on from that then. So if someone
1: did own a property or
2: multiple properties and they don't have a will in place to say where that property is going, what
1: happens to their assets? So somebody dies without a will. Okay. They die intestate and that means the laws of intestacy, okay, govern what happens to their assets. Um, And there's a, there's a flow chart that people can, Readily Google, um, and it's it's always updated. Currently, it sits that if you're a single person, so no dependents, no spouse, then your assets would go to your parents. Uh, if you're married, no children, your assets would go to your spouse. If you're if you've got children, you're not married, but you're living with your partner, and the properties are in your name, the assets will go to your children. So you can already see some big problems here developing. Uh, one of the thing that one of the things that I always find really interesting uh, is not many people understand how their properties are owned. So whether that is joint tenants or tenants in common. And when you've got a property that's owned joint tenants, I want you to think about this. If you've got a joint bank account, and one person dies, their name gets removed from the bank account, and the surviving person on the bank account can continue using that account. That's how a joint bank account would work. That's exactly the same with joint property. So, if a property is owned as joint tenants, one person dies, the executor of that will fills in a form called the DJP form. They remove the deceased from the property, surviving person owns the property 100%. So, you could argue if you've got a jointly owned property, okay, regardless of what your will says, your property is going to pass to the surviving owner. Now, if you own the property as tenants in common, Okay, Tenants in common is usually either equal shares, which is 50-50, or unequal shares, or obviously more than 50-50 if you've got more than two owners. If it's unequal shares, it's it's uh, stated as per the, the declaration of trust as to what those shares are. Now, the danger that I'm seeing more and more now is that younger couples, so first-time buyers, buying their property, okay, they're usually setting themselves up as tenants in common to protect their investment because one of them might have got a cash investment from their parents for a deposit. So they're buying the property as tenants in common. They're not married. They haven't got any children, okay, and they haven't got a will in place. Now, because they've spent all their money on the declaration of trust or, or something like that, now they haven't got a will in place. Now, I'm sure the conveyancer has said on their paperwork somewhere, please sort out a will. Okay. Now, for me, that's not good enough. If you're going to put people in that situation as tenants in common, they must, must draw up a will. Because if they die without that will, their 50% could end up going to their parents, to their children, somewhere where they might not want it to go. And it becomes messy. People always say, well, my parents would always look after my partner. Okay. One thing, one piece of advice I would always give people is that grief does. Weird things to people, so the will is ultimately your wishes when you cannot talk. And I
0: think, I think on that point, from being in property for the best part of two decades, it is something which it just doesn't get discussed. There's, there's, there's a transaction that happens when someone buys a buy to let or they buy an investment, whether they're looking to flip it, whether they're looking to rent it out. Um, But within that transaction, updating your will or getting a will is not a very common part of the process it's almost something that someone reminds them a few months or a few years down the line to do and they think i'll get round to it um but it's a a really good point because as you as you discuss all of those different elements and the flow chart's quite interesting because uh, effectively you know flow is is water isn't it and if you just think the water just runs in the direction it wants unless you, unless you change it. And it's the same thing with your assets, really. You, you have to take control by um, designing a will that very, very much works for you, um, I would say,
1: is, is the key part of it. Absolutely. Um, so, again, talking about some high profile cases that have been in the news, there were two celebrities that got married just before they died. One, I believe, was Ken Dodd and one was Jade Goody. Now, both had multi-million pound estates um, and uh, Jade Goody had her children. Um, she famously married uh, a guy just before her death. Um, and what that enabled her to do was put her assets in trust for her children, but avoid any kind of inheritance tax. Now, it was rumored that she had a four million pound estate. If she had a four million pound estate back then, the inheritance tax threshold was £325,000. She would have, or, or they would have, if you like, paid 40% on over the £325,000. Ken Dodd got married a day before he died for a similar reason. I believe he wanted everything to go to his partner. Now, if everything had gone to his partner, there would have been a, a threshold and anything over that threshold would have been taxed at 40%. Because he got married, he was able to pass his wealth to his wife, free of any inheritance tax. So there's some, sometimes we do have conversations with people and say, might be cheaper for you to go and get married. Just send me some wedding cake.
0: <laughs> and the next link on that transaction we were talking about was um, to get a wedding planner in by the sounds of it. There's some business to be had here, I'm sure of it. But um, Tristan, what other questions have you got for us?
2: Should a buy to let be owned personally or in a business? Is there any benefit to either?
1: Yeah, so I think it depends on on the situation. Um, it depends on how many buy to lets. Depends on the client's um, plans. If they're looking at growing that property, so they've got the one buy to let today, they're looking at getting five buy to lets over the next two three years, then you would argue that business is probably the better the better way to do that. There are some tax savings to be had by doing it in the business, such as when you. Uh, when you dispose of those properties you would pay the corporation tax relief Um, obviously if you've got the buy to let in your personal name okay there will be additional taxes for you to be paid but you've also got the capital gains relief now one thing that sometimes people look at doing is they've they've bought the property in the personal name and they look at purchasing it uh, sorry transferring it into Company set up. Now, if you're not careful, you will trigger an, any unnecessary capital gains and potentially even stamp duty. Now, there are ways in which you can have property and personal names, so buy to lets, okay, and you can transform, transform them into a business partnership. Um, you have to be very careful, okay. There are uh, strict um, rules that HMRC set out. So, just a couple of the rules that they say uh, you must have more than four properties your annual income of those properties must be 25,000 pounds or more. Uh, And you must actively be running that property business. If you like, you can't just be for farming it out to a a letting agent. Um, So there are some tax savings to be had. Um, I would always say it it depends on, on, on what the end goal is. Okay. If they're looking to purchase a property today and have that as their pension and pass that on, then, as long as they're aware, there's a capital gain involved with that. If they buy it today at two hundred thousand and it's worth four hundred thousand when they die, there is a capital gain on that. Okay. Um, so I would say it, it's it's personal to the situation. I think it's really interesting because
0: uh, Tristan, you remember we had um, uh, we had Darren on, didn't we? Talking tax as an accountant, and one of the things that I think um, was quite interesting. I know you said as well, Mike, that. A lot of couples sometimes will buy a buy-to-let, but because of the the kind of income tax element of it being a 40% or a 20% bracket, often if the male in this case, the husband is the main breadwinner and earns the big kind of 40% salary, they'll purchase the property in the wife's name because she might not have the salary that's paying at 40% tax, might be at the lower end. So it's logical to kind of put the property in her name because it's a more efficient way of doing it on the flip side of that that's where you're living on the flip side of that Jamie, is there any um negatives or benefits of owning it that way around unfortunately after you have passed away
1: can you rephrase that to me please
0: so if if someone um if if a married couple the uh, the wife owns the property in her name not in the husband's name and they hadn't done a will that that kind of orchestrated that would it would it just fall to husband or would the wife um, is it just go down the natural flow, um, as you said before? Or would there be any other things that they could do by making
1: a will and, and
0: doing it more creatively?
1: So depending if there was no will, OK, then the first two hundred and seventy thousand pounds of that property would pass to a husband. If she's got children then anything over that 270 would be split between husband and children. So that that obviously gets messy. Um, but it depends on the value of that property if, if, if they very simply wanted to gift that property to husband um, then that could be a way of doing it now what, what we need to consider here is that there would be a capital gain because it's not their main residence and if that then goes to husband and let's just say depending on his age he lives five years and then it goes down to children there'd be another capital gain on the same asset so there are some clever things that we could do within the will. By using a trust, for example, where we could gift the property from Mrs. to the children, but allow Mr. to have the income for the rest of his life. That would mean that potentially we'd just get away with the one capital gain payment. And there's also the element of
0: the moment, which
1: is common, unfortunately,
0: but at that later part of life, not all marriages are perfect. And sometimes you get to the point where it's a you know they've been divorced previously they've remarried and actually the kids below potentially are different groups of kids or it might be his or it might be her kids that's where obviously the difficult part of it comes into play is maybe missus that owns the property doesn't want it to go to certain kids and it, that's where the messiness comes in which as, as we always say on this that the best advice is to to get the right advice i would say
1: yeah when, when talking to people uh, that have got shall we say a 21st century family where you're on your second relationship you've both got children from previous relationships nine times out of ten it is a case of wanting to protect each other but also wanting to protect their children and i would always say to them it's not about do you trust this person to do right by your children okay i would say to them just don't put that person in this situation because there are things that we can do to basically protect them make sure they've got a roof over their house head make sure they've got the right to any income of buy to let but ultimately, when they pass away, your assets will go to your children. And it's not necessarily anything complicated that we need to, to set up. Um, it's uh, just a, a clever bit of planning.
2: Good advice. Perfect. So moving on to the next question, then, Jamie. So
1: what is an LPA and why is it important or why are they important? Yeah, good, good question, Tristan. So an LPA is a lasting power of attorney document. um, And this comes in two formats. So you've got your health and welfare LPA, which is underspoken about, and you've got your property and your financial LPA. So for this podcast, let's understand the property and the financial LPA. So for anybody, okay, if they were to lose mental capacity. okay. so for everyone on this call, we're looking at an accident because okay, the chances are we're not just going to wake up tomorrow with dementia or Alzheimer's or, or anything like that. Um, typically, people think of an LPA when they get to retirement age due to potentially being worried of having or, or, or getting dementia or Alzheimer's, which could just be old age and vulnerability, and they want somebody else to take on that uh, the responsibility of assisting them or even making decisions for them. So an LPA is a legal document where you can choose somebody to make decisions for you. Now, this would cover, as I said, your property, your bank accounts, your bills, anything to do with property or your financial affairs. Now, what, what people need to understand is what happens if you lose mental capacity? So let's just say for us it's an accident. What happens if you lose mental capacity and you don't have an LPA in place? well there was a high profile case in the news last year that involved kate garraway kate garraway's husband was in a coma for a very long time i believe it was covid related it, during that time quite a few things happened to her and her situation and, and one of them was that their car was stolen and the car was in his name the insurance was in his name she couldn't even claim the insurance for her car uh, and that's a that's a very very normal procedure Okay, if you've got Sky or you've got uh, the the Internet, you ring up that provider. If it's not in your name, they won't talk to you. Okay. now an LPA is protecting the worst case scenario. I would always say to people, there's a very good chance that you can get to the age of 95 and never need an LPA. but you don't want to be in a situation where you need one and you haven't got one, because if you need one and you haven't got one, unfortunately, your family are going to have to go through. The, the route of applying for deputyship which is a very long and costly process if somebody in your family or friend loses mental capacity and, and things can't be no decisions can be made about banking property or anything like that that's a big problem whether that's a business owner whether that's a, a young family with a mortgage uh, it's a big problem and it can be very easily solved by putting an LPA in place now an LPA, can be can be done by a professional. And I would always advise that because it's really important to understand what you need to consider with doing this, okay? Or it is something that is available on the, the government website for people to do themselves if they know what they're doing. Um, currently, the registration with the Office of the Public Guardian for the LPA is, is sitting anywhere between 16 and 20 weeks. Um, and what I'd advise people, if you get something wrong, you then have another eight to 10 weeks of, of waiting. So it's always worth getting it right first time.
2: Well, so there's a lot to, to take in there. And I think it's so important to, like I said, seek the advice regardless of the circumstances, because there's so much here that I've learned from speaking to you that I wasn't aware of. And I remember when I first met you, the first thing when we spoke about that as a property owner, you told me to, do I have a will in place? And it was one thing that I don't, and that's why we sat down. So all the different parts that we're speaking about it's just so important to, to seek the advice and, and follow that process by the sounds of it to, from what you've said yeah so absolutely moving on to my last question then, jamie is is there anything that's due to be changed or implemented in legislation that could have an impact on us in the future
1: yeah so i'll talk about something that's already happened and i'll talk about potentially something that might happen in the future um so um Pre, let's just say pre 2017. Uh, Lots of people made the provision within their will for their assets, so including their family home, to go into what's called a discretionary trust. This is where you put your assets into a trust, you appoint trustees, those trustees might be people that you fully trust, friends, family members, and ultimately you state who the beneficiaries are. So they might be your children. Now what this does is this protects your children against any kind of future harm. So this could be against them inheriting and getting divorced and losing half. This could be against them potentially inheriting in money, being addicted to drugs and spending all their money that way. Okay, And what happened was the government introduced an initiative with regards to inheritance tax to say, if you've got a property and you pass it to your children on your death, on, so with a married couple on second death, you pass it to your children, you can claim an extra tax relief, an inheritance tax relief called the residence nil rate ban the people that have their will set up so that their property was going into a trust are not able to claim that. Uh, people that have got their property in trust during lifetime for different reasons are possibly not able to claim that. Now for a lot of people, certainly where we live, what's the average family home? Five, 600,000 pounds. Okay. Now in that situation, that's taken up the majority of your, your tax allowance. Because with a married couple, you get £650,000. So if they've got ices, if they've got other things that will form part of that estate, they really need to use the £4 million. So the government brought in a new initiative, but it meant that if you've got this trust within your will, you probably want to review your planning. Um, Now, just just as a a caveat to that, I would always say for some people, the protection of their beneficiaries could be and, and is more important than paying an inheritance tax. So some people will keep those trusts in place. Um, the current inheritance tax uh, limits thresholds uh, is is due to be renewed in 2026. Um, do I think that will change? Um, potentially, uh, it's a great, it's an easy way of getting money out of people, isn't it? Um, when you die, you can't argue. Uh, we've got to pay this COVID money back somehow. So potentially it could change, uh, some way, shape or form. So watch out for that. 2026.
0: It's great. Great stuff. And I actually feel so lucky doing this podcast because the amount of information you absorb by um, meeting specialists in certain fields um, is really, really, really good and and positive. So appreciate that. We're going to get into quick fire stuff. Now that we've done the the meat and the bones of it, Mike's going to fire you with some absolute golden nuggets that he always likes to throw at people so i'll hand over to those that are watching mr pink today mike
3: we're coming away from wills and estate planning for five minutes here jamie so you can give your opinion we talked about where opinions come from and how many people have got opinions so fire away from your view what happens next in the property
1: market Got build more houses haven't they I think uh, the, the demand for the demand for property around this area, I'm sure you're aware has been huge from, from watching your videos, from, from listening to Ian um, you've got so many buyers and, and not enough stock or so many people that want to rent a property and, and, and not enough stock. Um, so surely one of the only ways that, that that could be solved is to, is to build more houses. Um, I think certainly over the past 18 months, a lot of my work has been introduced uh, by yourselves, by mortgage advisors, by uh, people that are involved with that process of people moving house. Um, so uh, you'll know the you'll know the the stats better than me. But I, th- I think a lot of people have have seen uh, what lockdown was like in their space, seen the opportunity to capitalise on on the stamp duty holiday, and and grabbed it with both hands. Yeah, I
3: couldn't I couldn't agree more. The but- Stamfordshire's holidays been and gone. COVID restrictions, furloughs, been and gone. But the the need and that race for space is is still very much alive. Is which is what's firing things. But I'll say one thing: there's a proven fact. If you build houses, it actually increases house prices. Doesn't bring them down. It's a fact. Economics. I'll teach you that later. Um, if you invested in the perfect deal tomorrow. What does it look like
1: to you personally? Um, a buy-to-let property that uh, goes and has a big development built next to it and doubles in price. <laughs> that was <laughs> a
0: great, great on-the-spot answer there. I like that one.
1: It
3: was,
0: yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Five
3: seconds of learning and a man's changed his, changed his tune. Last question. What's the best single piece of advice you can ask or or you can give to a property
1: owner. Protect those around you. You're not invincible. If something happened to you, okay, those people that depend on you, are they okay?
0: Perfect advice. And as someone who owns a property, who owns a business and has got two children um, and a wife, it's, it's really important that the assets that we have are protected. And I think one of the quick and easy things that people tend to go for is is life life insurance and obviously pay that monthly amount to make sure that certain things happen there. But that's more from a financial covering when it comes to everything you've just spoken about. It's really, really important that you you treat those in tandem um, and you make sure that you protect those around you. Because the last thing that I think anyone that's investing in property would love would, would want to do is unfortunately pass away at any point and then leave children, wife, parents, whoever they've decided to pass their assets on to, short from a tax perspective, just because they've done it incorrect or worst case scenario, they've not done it at all. And the flow chart that you mentioned flows it in the direction they don't want it to. Um, I, I know, you know, we're family is family from, I guess, from the government's perspective, from HMRC's perspective, family is family but sometimes family is different for people and that might mean that money is going to the wrong the wrong direction so Jamie I, I would imagine people will pay a lot of money for the advice you've given us on this podcast in um, in a meeting with you when when sort of setting up your their LPA or their will and etc so thank you so much for coming on I've really enjoyed it I've learned a lot myself I know Mike and Tristan the same uh, we're gonna digest it now but yeah appreciate your time and yeah um, Thank you very much. Maybe we'll speak again on another podcast about some other bits again soon.
1: You're very welcome. Thank you for having me, guys.
0: So, gents, Jamie's just finished, and I don't know about you, but my brain is ready to explode with information that's just been absorbed, Um, more so than any of the other podcasts. I don't know if it's because it's on Zoom and we're trying to sort of digest everything, but I think mainly because Jamie gave us so much information there, the sort of information that his clients would pay a lot of money for to sit down and, and talk him through. He obviously knows his stuff. You know, his, his stats, case studies and information is just super, super knowledgeable. And for me, I think with, with a young family, you know, wife and two children, it's something that you can only sit there listening to what he says and think, I've got to do the right thing by them for when something happens down the line. Um, so it was it was really interesting to get a bit of a snapshot and a teaser in different kind of potential options. But I think everyone's everyone's scenario is different, Mike. And therefore, it's the sort of thing that you you need to know personally exactly which direction you need to follow on that. Is that is that the way you were thinking?
3: Yeah, it, obviously everyone's different, but everyone at the same time is the same in that if you're not doing it for your kids who are you doing it for and there's absolutely no point in building a nest egg for your children worth a million or two million or three million pounds if they're going to have to pay a thumping amount of inheritance tax on it you're you, you know you, that's that's 40 percent of your of your total hard work of your life going down the pan if you don't arrange a simple appointment with someone who can do that for you um and even when you are still alive if you don't have an lpa in place there is nothing that can be done around your assets and around your own plans you can't even cancel a holiday um for for you or your parents if if they're if they're incapacitated so it leaves you with your hands tied and, and that's just a massive point. That should really re- it
0: resonates with me. It should resonate with everybody. Hundred percent. And Jamie spoke off camera actually about um, a celebrity that was in the news about a year ago that unfortunately committed suicide and didn't have a will in place. And as a result, um, the asset that she had or the assets of her estate that were circa two million, um, her family ended up paying just over a million pounds in tax. And it that that in itself gives you a really good insight into how much of an impact you can have rightly or wrongly in this area. Um, Tristan, same for obviously you with a young family. What were your key takeaways from this particular podcast?
2: Definitely. I have to agree with uh, Mike's comment there, really. Um, every scenario is different and it's been repeated with um, some of the other podcasts we've had with Akil, with Darren. Every scenario is different and seek the advice you have because the small amount of, investment for seeking that correct advice could save you thousands tens of thousands or even hundreds of thousands or millions in these cases so definitely seek the advice of each circumstance and I've had a few people before where they say I'm going to pass the property on to my kids or um, change the ownership but hearing Jamie's words there there's other ways around it that could benefit um, the people so definitely seek advice from that side
0: yeah and for anyone listening or watching um thank you first and foremost and if you've got questions after this because i know i'm going to be ringing jamie tomorrow because i've now got questions after this one um but if you've got questions and you want them answered then you can contact us we can put you in contact with jamie you can contact him directly he's very active on facebook um, with his marketing you'll find him on facebook you'll find his website but if you want to come by us drop us a dm um, send us a review comment anything like that and we can put you in contact and next week another great podcast to look forward to more quality information coming your way as we're now into the thick of season two and from everyone's perspective if you want any particular guests on here or any type of information please let us know and we'll be happy to accommodate and try and invite that guest on for you I'm flicking through YouTube and through Spotify I don't think there's a podcast or a video channel on YouTube that landlords can land on where they're not being sold something. I mean, it'd be the first time any estate agent's ever asked that question, but why not ask that question to a wider audience? They just have the knowledge there, but they don't seem to share it. Can do different episodes based around someone that wants an exit plan or someone that's just starting their portfolio. The rules change every year. Yeah. But why not just
3: open the floor out and
0: just say, well...
2: Is property even the best investment out there? And tax advice is a big thing, especially with everything that's changed, capital yeah. gains tax, and obviously your stamp duty, costs that you need to pay and whatnot, people don't realise what they need to prepare for.
0: We build a podcast and we build a YouTube channel, somewhere that landlords can go and they feel they're not being sold to, but they're just getting quality advice.